Everyone's searching for answers. Did you know the Bible speaks to life's biggest questions? This July, welcome to The Ultimate Search. So now it's time to get into the Word. I want to welcome everybody who's here in the room and also welcome everyone who is watching this online. And we're in the series, The Ultimate Search. And last week, we talked about how to do a Bible search, how to do a Bible study. And we used the SOAP method. Don't you feel a lot cleaner after a week of SOAP? You know, the SOAP is an acronym made up by another pastor, Wayne Cordero, and it stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer, and you can find out more about that at getvictory.net slash soap. I was going to say prayer, but it's soap. Getvictory.net slash soap, and if you go to slash prayer, we'll pray for you. Either one will be good, but if you want to learn how to get into the Word of God, the SOAP method is awesome, and it will really, really help you, and we need that. We need a systematic way of getting into the Word of God and allowing the Word of God to speak into our lives, to shape us. And, uh, you know, the reality is when we do that, we're not just using a methodology, and we're not just engaging and studying the Bible alone even if you are alone in your home when you're doing this. You're not really alone. Do you know why? Because you're doing your Bible engagement with the Holy Spirit. With the Holy Spirit. And we know this about Scripture. It is inspired by the Holy Spirit. It is the voice of the Holy Spirit. And He is the one who will help you get the most out of the Word of God. He'll get the truth into your heart, and lead you to activate that, to apply that in your life in a way that will change your life forever. And we're going to look at some things that Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1 that will give us some more insight on the work of the Holy Spirit in relationship to Scripture. And he says this in verse 19 of 2 Peter 1, We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. And he's talking about prophecies of Scripture. We have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. And you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy, and he's talking about the prophecy of Scripture, he's talking about the written word, never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, through, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now, notice that he says, you will do well to pay attention to it. That's verse 19. You will do well to pay attention to it, to the prophetic word made more sure, the prophetic word that we have in Scripture along with the other writings of Scripture. And this is something that we must apply ourselves to now. 
in the here and now. It's, it's not going to light your path. It's not going to do what God wants it to do in your life if we're not paying attention to it. We have to give some time and some effort into our appropriation of the truth of Scripture along with the Holy Spirit. In 1992, 31 years ago, just a couple of weeks, it'll be our 31st anniversary. Lisa and I felt called to the Northeast, so we left our ministry in Oklahoma and we headed to Connecticut. And on the way to Connecticut, we stopped in Mississippi to visit my family and we stopped, believe it or not, this is crazy but true, we stopped right here in Montgomery County to visit a high school friend of mine. And uh, we were on our way to Connecticut and when it was time to leave Montgomery County and go to Connecticut, the best way that we could see on a map was to go right through New York City, and that remains the case today. The quickest, easiest way in some respects to get from here to West Hartford, Connecticut is to go through New York City. I was totally afraid of going through New York City. <laughs> I have to admit, Southern boy, you know, mm-mm. I'm not going through New York City. <laughs> and, and, and so we looked at our atlas. We had an atlas, you know, with all the states and the United States, and we plotted a route that would take us way west of the city and up north of the city and then across into Connecticut. And, uh, man, the route that we found on the atlas was, it, it was great. It looked perfect. I was perfectly satisfied to take this route. But, you know, there was only one issue. And that is our atlas. People remember what an atlas is, right? It's a set of maps on paper, you know. And uh, we didn't have Google Maps. or We didn't even have MapQuest. Remember the days when you used to print out your MapQuest directions? You know, you didn't have GPS guidance. It was, this was before that. And so we just had this big old atlas. And uh, the only problem with the route that we had planned out west and then across north of the city is that a major part of the route that we were going to take, it showed as under construction. But it was an old atlas. And my reasoning was, this is an old atlas? Surely they have built that route by now, and, you know, it'll be perfect. And we get up into North Jersey, and we get to the end of the road. And, like, where on earth are we supposed to go now? And, you know, we ended up taking these windy back roads. You know, anybody been to Bear Mountain State Park in New York? And we're around that area and, and you know, across the river and back roads in, in Connecticut. And, oh, my goodness, it was horrible. We, I mean, it got dark. We were trying to find our way in the dark. About half the time, we didn't even know what road we were on. So, you know, Lisa's over there trying to read the atlas in the dark, and we... It, it, it was terrible. And what should have been a four-and-a-half-hour trip from Montgomery County to New York, through New York City into Connecticut took us at least eight hours, eight hours of frustration with our cat James in the car with us and piled up, you know. It, it was horrible. What does that have to do with Scripture? Here's the connection. The cultural world of Scripture, the cultural world of Scripture is 2,000 to 4,000 years old. That's the culture of Scripture. A lot has changed since Scripture. Scripture is an Old 
atlas. It's an old atlas. And surely we human beings have created the way to get to Connecticut now, right? Surely we human beings have come up with a better way than what the atlas is actually showing us. We get ourselves in trouble when we consider it outdated and we consider that, oh, well, the scripture doesn't really apply because we've discovered or created new paths, new ways. See, here's, here's one thing that you can count on. The scripture is up to date in terms of its depiction of reality. Scripture might be outdated in terms of the cultural setting in which you find the events of Scripture. But the truths of Scripture don't need to be updated. They don't need to be modernized. We, we, we can't add to it. We can't make ways where God has not made a way. Scripture shows reality with regard to God, the most important reality that you can ever know. You want to know about your life? Consider what you believe about God. You can't improve on what Scripture reveals to us about God. You want to know about the world, about humanity, about the future? It's all right there. You think there's a new way, but there's not. Peter says, pay attention to it. Pay attention to it. It's made certain. It's sure. Will you pay attention? Pay attention. That's part of giving the opportunity to the Spirit to lead us in the way that the Spirit wants to lead us through Scripture. And then he says in verse 19, let's look at that again, you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place. As to a light shining in a dark place. In a dark place. You ever find yourself personally in a dark place? Scripture will show you the way out. No, not just easy, you know, throw out a verse and I'll feel better. But Scripture, when you apply yourself to it and the Spirit applies it to your heart and life, will show you light in the midst of your darkness. That's why Psalm 119 verses 105 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. And notice that when Peter's talking about the light that is provided to us through the Word of God, he's not just talking about, hey, we're on a trek and there's a light, you know, just follow the, the lights along the aisle, the lights along the path. No, he's talking about really getting into the Word of God, paying attention to it. Let the Spirit work in your heart and life. And what begins to happen? The light dawns in your heart. The light begins to dawn within you. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Now, this passage, if you read it in context, it's pointing to the glory of Jesus' second coming. And he's coming back. That's the future part of what Peter's talking about. But he's also talking about his own experience of seeing the glory of Jesus on the mountain of the transfiguration. So, you know, what are we to do? Do we only see the light of this morning star as we look forward to the second coming of Jesus or we look back at the transfiguration that we read about in the Gospels? No. No, the light of Jesus can rise within us right now. Right now. 
Oh, that, that, that's what Peter's saying. This is what you're going for. This is why you're paying attention to it, so that the light of Christ can shine in your hearts. And, you know, other parts of Scripture, the morning star stands for something else, but here the morning star is Jesus. He wants it to shine in your heart. Now, I asked one of our prayer warriors how she gets the most out of Scripture. And uh, her response is this, truth is a person. Jesus said, I am the truth. And this is our prayer warrior still speaking. She says, when I am reading the Bible, I'm meeting with Jesus. And he gave me Holy Spirit. I'm ready to hear and obey. I'm asking Holy Spirit to reveal the Father and to help me know Jesus more. Right answer. <laughs> right answer. I mean, that is what it's about. As we're applying soap and, you know, we're looking, is there a command to obey, a promise to claim, a sin to avoid, an application to make? It's not just analysis that we do intellectually. We are paying attention to the scriptures so that the light of Jesus himself can shine in our hearts. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. Mm, it's awesome. That's, that's what this is about. See, we're not just trying to gain Bible knowledge. I'm not trying to just give you Bible knowledge in a sermon. When we go to the Scriptures, we're trying to get Jesus' knowledge. We want to know Jesus. Paul prayed for the Ephesian church to have the, their eyes enlightened that they might know God better. We want to know Him more and more and more. And Scripture is the way God has chosen primarily to reveal Himself, to let the light of Jesus not just shine on our path, but shine in our hearts. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's what it's about. You know, if we allow the Scripture to speak to our hearts, if we allow the Holy Spirit, He spoke the Word in the first place, if we allow Him to engage us with Scripture, then we're going to know truth, truth that will set us free. The Spirit, Jesus said the Spirit's going to guide you into truth. He said the Spirit would remind you of what he himself taught. And that's not just for his disciples who lived back 2,000 years ago. That's for you. He's going to show you what Jesus wants to show you. The Spirit is involved in this. Paul said in 2 Timothy that the Scriptures are God-breathed. God breathed. He breathed his breath into them by the Spirit of God. Paul told the Corinthian church that if you want to understand spiritual things, you have to discern them by the Spirit. Spiritual things are spiritually discerned. They're not just intellectually discerned. You can use your mind to go into the Word and understand some very basic things there, but that's not the goal. The goal is to allow the Holy Spirit to take what your mind is grasping, and then to fill your heart with the light of Jesus. It's awesome. It's an awesome process. And then the goal, like our intercessor said, I, I'm ready to hear and obey. Did you know that in the Hebrew, there's not a word for obey? You know why? Because the word that is used is shema, hear. The implication being, if you hear, if you really hear God, you will obey. Yes. Amen? Amen? So, you know, this is what the Spirit is doing. So we want to apply the Word to our hearts and lives. 
We want to be ready to obey. And that's what we're going to be speaking about next week. And don't think, oh, well, I know what he's going to be talking about. No, you want to come because it's going to help you to be more obedient to the word of God. But we want to know that even now. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. Let's go back and look at those again. Peter says, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. See, the inspiration of Scripture is by the Holy Spirit. Peter says that Scripture Scripture, whether it's prophetic scripture or, you know, the writings or any other aspect of the Old Testament, the whole Torah, the law, they're inspired by the Holy Spirit. They're not just a work of literature that somebody brought about by their, as he says here, their, quote, own interpretation of things. Scripture's not somebody's interpretation. It's good to know about it, isn't it? And you know what else he's hinting at here? Your understanding of Scripture shouldn't be your own interpretation of things either. Ah, this is where we've got to get... Can you understand it yourself? Yes. You know, that was one of the great things about the Reformation. Not only salvation through faith, but they made the Word of God available to the common people in everyday language. Awesome. Right, So you can understand it, but we have to understand also that as we grasp Scripture, it's not just about our own personal interpretation as though that's the only thing that matters. It didn't come about by personal interpretation, and you're not going to understand it simply by your own independent interpretation. Am I saying you need pastors or that sort of thing? Well, pastors have a role. Teachers have a role in helping you to understand, but... There's more to it than that, and we need to pay attention to a couple of other principles that Peter talks about here. A couple of chapters later, Peter says this. This is 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 16, and he's talking about the Apostle Paul. And he says he writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters, this is the part I really want you to see, his letters contain some things that are hard to understand. Anybody find anything in Paul's writings hard to understand? It's okay. Even Peter said they're hard to understand. We need to know that. But look at the problem when they're hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures. Notice he puts Paul's writings at the same level as scripture, appropriately so, as they do to the other scriptures, to their own destruction. Woo! Scary! Don't be scared. I'm telling you, you know, the, the Bible will speak to you through the power of the Holy Spirit. But you should take it seriously. You should take proper understanding of Scripture seriously, folks. Because if you don't, you, you can think that you're understanding the word, but then due to your own ignorance and instability, you can distort the word to your own destruction. 
And so if you're in an unstable moment in life, if you're desperate for a word of God, a word from God, that's probably just the time you need to kind of like slow down. I want to make sure I'm understanding the word of God correctly. It might require a little bit of help from somebody else who does understand the hard things that Paul writes and some of the difficult things to understand in other parts of Scripture. See, here's the thing. Here's the important thing for all of us to know. Scripture doesn't get to be just anything we want it to be. It doesn't. And and this is where we as Charismatics and Pentecostals have to be very cautious because we believe in the role of the Holy Spirit to help us to gain insight from the Word of God. And, you know, when, when you get the truth driven into your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit, you feel it. Like, man, I know that I know. I, I go through that process not only in my daily devotionals, but every week in preparing a sermon. You know, I have all kinds of ideas and bring them together, but there's a point where it's like, aha, man, now I've got the word. It's in me, and it's burning in me. It's not going to burn in anybody else unless it burns in me first. And, you know, you, you, that's a part of the Holy Spirit's process of enabling you to understand the Word, and if you're a teacher, to teach the Word, or to preach the Word, or even prophesy the Word. It's got to burn in you. So you feel it. But here's the danger. You can then begin to associate your feelings, your human feelings, with, oh, that must be the Holy Spirit. And it's not always the case. I can say this, especially in situations where you're very emotionally engaged, you know, You just want that person to fall in love with you and, oh, yeah, God, show me she's going to be my wife. (laughs) Right? I mean, our feelings can help sometimes make us believe things that are not really the Holy Spirit. And we can do the same thing with the words of Scripture. You know, we can think, man, I've got an understanding and insight. Woo! And then we end up making the Scripture mean what the Holy Spirit didn't ever intend for it to mean. Scripture, this is a principle everybody needs to know. Scripture means what the Holy Spirit intended for it to mean. And if He didn't mean for it to be taken in a certain way 2,000 years ago, I can promise you, He doesn't intend for you to take it a certain way today. If he didn't didn't intend for people 2,000 years ago to understand a passage of Scripture in a certain way, he doesn't intend for you to interpret that way. In other words, you're not getting just fresh new ideas that nobody ever came up with before. Woo, I know it's a spirit because I feel it. No. No. (laughs) I'm going to tell on somebody in my life group, I gave him a warning. But, you know, we were gathering for this semester's life group, and it was a time of really getting into the Word of God. And, and, And this person told on me, so, you know, he outed me publicly on this one. He said, yeah, one time I came up to pastor and said, pastor, you know, the Bible means something different to me every time I read it. And he said, and then the pastor looked at me and said, no, the Bible means what it means. It doesn't mean something different every time. 
Does that mess with you a little bit? It's true. The Bible means what the Holy Spirit intends for it to mean, and it doesn't change. It doesn't change. Now, you might not have seen it there before. You might have had a bad understanding of it before. You might have ignored it before. You might not have wanted to see it before because you knew what it said and you didn't want to do it. Mark Twain. I got that from Mark Twain. He said, it's not the parts of the Bible that I don't understand that give me a problem. It's the parts I do understand that give me a problem. (laughs) And you can have a different application. You know, as a single young man, I read a passage of Scripture and God says, I want you to do this on the basis of that passage. It's going to be totally different when I'm a husband with two little kids at home. That's a different application, not a different meaning. And we need to be open to the applications that the Holy Spirit would lead us into. But the goal is knowing Jesus and then applying the knowledge of Scripture to our lives. That's it. The Spirit's going to reveal Jesus. He's going to reveal truth. And he's going to light your path and help you know where to go. And when we live out the principles of Scripture by the power of the Holy Spirit, world, look out. Devil, look out. You're coming. You're coming with the name of Jesus. You're coming by the power of the gospel, the power of the cross, and you have the word of God backing you up. Guess what? You can't be stopped. You need the Holy Spirit. I want to give you some basic rules of Revelation, we'll call it revelation. It's really more accurately called inspiration of the Holy Spirit because it was revealed to the ones who wrote it, and now we receive it and understand it by inspiration. Enlightenment, Paul says, the eyes of your heart being enlightened. It's not really fresh revelation, but, you know, we in charismatic circles, we do know there are revelatory gifts, and we feel like sometimes I got a revelation from Scripture. A couple of things. You might want to write these down. A couple of rules related to the... uh, revelation related to Scripture. This is where Scripture helps us understand Scripture. Number one, a spiritual understanding of a passage cannot, when I say spiritual, I'm saying when we spiritualize something, it cannot contradict the plain truth of biblical testimony. Can I say this? Be cautious about allegorical understandings. That's where you take a story of Scripture and, you know, the stone under Jacob's head means this and blah, blah, blah. You start, you can make any object and any story anything you want it to be. That's not the way the Holy Spirit intends for that to be understood. Your interpretation of a particular passage can't contradict the biblical truth of the whole witness of Scripture. Now, there are tensions in Scripture. There's some things, two truths, that when we hold them, you know, in connection with each other, there's going to be a little tension, but not contradiction. The Bible's not contradictory. People tell you it is. It's not. There are tensions that you have to manage, but, you know, you want your interpretation to flow with the overall meaning of Scripture. A couple of rules of uh, revelation as relate to the body of Christ. Know this, you're not alone. 
You don't get to just interpret on your own what, what it means to you and have no regard for what it means to other people in the family of God. And here's a truth. If you get a revelation that no one else has ever received, it ain't true. <laughs> if it contradicts what has been believed by faithful Christians through the ages, and sometimes church traditions get it wrong. But if it contradicts what faithful Christians have believed through the ages, it's probably not true. And then just good sense. You know, God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts higher than our thoughts. And when we're getting into the Word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit, He's going to show you some things to do. He's going to lead you to do some things that at first glance you might think, that's crazy. Like moving a church from the property that we owned up on Park Avenue to here. Crazy. But the thing is, Ultimately, it makes good sense. In other words, God's not just absolutely crazy. I did read a really good book called The Insanity of God. But, you know, ultimately, God's revelation and his will and his direction will make sense. It will make sense. You know, it, it will stand up to sound logic. Now, it won't, doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, somebody's system of logic based on some fallacy, like, oh, God doesn't really do miracles. If their system of logic is built on something like that, then that's not what I'm talking about. But a good, reasonable person who understands the truth of Scripture, the principles of Scripture, some of the principles even of the supernatural, it's going to make sense. It makes sense that God would leave heaven and come to earth as a human being and he himself become the sacrifice for our sins. That, that's supernatural. That's higher than my thoughts, but it makes sense, doesn't it? And the same thing with anything that the Lord will show you in Scripture. And here's another rule. Don't rely on the Internet. Oh, my goodness, don't. See, you can find plenty of websites that are against what are clearly biblical Teachings. You can find plenty of websites that are against healing. You can find plenty of websites that are against the gifts of the Spirit, that are against prophecy, that are against even things that I'm talking to you tonight, that the Holy Spirit will work and impress Scripture upon your heart. You can find people who tell you, oh, that's not really true. You just read it and understand it, and that's it. That's all you need. No, don't, go to, don't, don't go to the Internet for that. And also, you can find a lot of crazy, wacky stuff a lot of Christian-sounding stuff that's mixed with New Age. and I'll get, Don't go to the Internet. Now, does, does the Internet have some good resources that you can go to online? Yes, it does. But make sure you know who you're going to. Make sure they're solid in their teaching. Know something about their background. Know, you know, do they come from a fundamentalist background that no longer believes that the gifts of the Spirit are for today? And maybe they're good to understand some basic truths of Scripture, but, you know, when you get into the supernatural, you probably want to go to somebody else. You understand what I'm saying? Don't just go there indiscriminately. Here's the main thing. Get hungry for the Word of God. Get hungry for the Word of God. 
desire to hear the Holy Spirit. Get to know Jesus better. Get to know the Father better. Know His will for your life. Know how He's going to illuminate your path. Know how His light is going to rise within your heart. Get hungry for the Word of God. Get back to the way you were when you were a brand new Christian. You just couldn't get enough. Pay careful attention to what the Word has for you. He wants to empower you. He wants to lead you. You won't ever be the same, and neither will, will the world around you. Amen? Amen. Now, I talk about the Holy Spirit giving light and life to our hearts. It happens because of what Jesus did. It happens because Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And folks, you know, there's a lot of deep spiritual truth that we can find here and there, but there's no deeper spiritual truth than that. When Paul came to the Corinthian church, he said, I came knowing Christ and him crucified, and that's all that you need. And if you want spiritual things to happen in your life, folks, that's all you need. And it starts with coming to Christ. It starts with surrendering your heart to him. And I want to give you a chance, give those who are watching online, a chance to pray to receive Christ. And that light will begin to shine even now. Whatever darkness you're facing, the light is going to begin to shine because Christ is going to come and he is the morning star that's going to rise in your heart. Would you receive that right now? Just pray this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love. I believe Jesus died. He was raised from the dead. And he is Lord. Forgive me of all my sins. Fill me with your spirit. Shine your light in my heart. And help me live for you. Teach me your word. Help me to live according to your ways. Thank you for receiving me as one of your very own children. In Jesus' name, amen.